Hi, everyone. My name is Billy Phoenix. Welcome to the Lead Pastor Podcast, a conversation designed to equip and inspire lead pastors. In our second series of this podcast, we're talking all about multi-site. This episode specifically is the second part of a three-part conversation about multi-site with Lane Jones. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, this is Lane Jones, and it's great to be back on the Lead Pastor Podcast and uh, continuing a conversation around multi-site ministry. Uh, I'm the executive director of multi-site ministries for North Point Ministries, and uh, it's my pleasure to work with people all around the country who are exploring uh, just this great opportunity that is multi-site. On the first episode of this three-part podcast, we began by asking the questions, is multi-site right for us? And then how will we know when we're ready to go multi-site? And today we're going to talk about how decisions will be made inside of your multi-site matrix. And when we talk about a multi-site matrix, what we're basically talking about is there will always be some sort of central services of multi-site and then campus services of multi-site. And if you have a y-axis and an x-axis that represent those two worlds, everything that falls in the middle, uh, those, those processes, those environments, and those people have some relationship back to the central and some relationship to the campus. And so defining and, and creating an understanding within your organization of how that matrix works is essential. Now, I will say, I think that in many ways, this is more art than science, and it's something that has to be developed according to really the personality and the culture of your organization. But I think theoretically, there is a continuum that runs from autonomy to centralization. And every church that is going multi-site has to decide where are we going to fall on that continuum with our approach to multi-site. There are some amazing churches across the country that we would say skew toward the centralized end of the continuum. And then there are other churches, and I would put North Point Ministries in that camp, that skew more toward the autonomous end of that spectrum. But again, making that sort of decision up front, where are we going to be more centralized or are we going to be more autonomous is one of the first key questions to ask when you're deciding what is our decision making matrix going to look like. So one of the best ways to to answer that question is really just to look again at your organization, look at your culture, look at the personality of your primary point leader. Do you tend to skew toward autonomy or toward centralization? Both can work well, as we've said, you just have to decide where you are. And I think one of the questions that we asked early on, and it was sort of drove our decision or our, our, our direction, was are we creating a structure that we would want to work in? And the reason I think it's important to ask that question, am I creating a structure I would want to work in, is I assume you're a great leader and you want to attract great leaders. And if deep down inside you know, you know what, I'm building something I wouldn't even want to be, I wouldn't want to have the restrictions placed on me that I'm placing on this person, then what you're saying is I'm limiting the level of leader that I'm going to be able to attract to my organization. 
So again, one of the first things we have to ask ourselves when we're trying to figure out our decision-making matrix is what would our culture support? What would our culture attract? The second thing that I would encourage you to do is just to look at the issue and to allow issues to determine where the decision is going to be made. Is it going to be more on the autonomous end or more on the centralized end? And for us at North Point Ministries, here's how we've kind of broken down these three levels or these three different types of issues and how we answer them. We've decided to centralize what we would consider scalable services. So things like accounting, things like um, human resources, IT, analytics, things that, that you may not need one of those people or two of those people on every campus because four people working centrally could handle maybe five or six campuses. So it's more cost effective because rarely do you need a full-time person right away in each of those areas. Now, the thing on this is you'll have to work on customer service or then we just become a bureaucracy. But uh, again, that's something that our ministry services team has done a great job at in saying we are here to serve the campus and to provide these scalable services across all of our campuses. So we centralize scalable services. We also centralize what we would call primary environment branding uh, so that our branding in our our primary environments, meaning our our preschool environment, our children, middle school, high school, uh, adult groups, those those things that are just primary to our model, um, we centralize the branding of those. And the reason that we do that and then the reason that it's important in our model is because uh, we have have, all of our campuses are within, you know, 20 minutes of another campus, 25 minutes of another campus. And we have a lot of people who move from campus to campus or they move across town and they'll join a new campus. And we want someone who is showing up at another one of our campuses who has had experience with us to recognize and understand where they're headed. We want a predictable experience for them. So when a person walks from into a new campus or to uh, one of our other campuses with a middle school uh, child and they see, hey, this way to transit, transit is what we call our middle school. That's our primary brand for middle schoolers. Then they know immediately that's where I head. So we, because we want it to be predictable and clear, we centralize our primary environment branding. Now, while we will centralize scalable services, we will give autonomy to what we would consider local decisions. And the biggest one of those, and I think this is one that a lot of people are always interested in, is the hiring and management of campus staff. That is the people who work in all of the ministry areas on a particular campus, who hires those people and who is the direct manager for those people. And um, when we first started into multi-site and uh, Buckhead Church was our first campus, um, we did that centrally. Uh, the people at Buckhead Church reported to somebody at North Point Community Church. And honestly, that worked fine for one campus and it didn't really make a lot of sense uh, initially to uh, to mess with that. But by the time we got to the second campus, uh, Brownsbridge Community Church, uh, and which I actually was the lead pastor at Brownsbridge and, and led the team that started out there, we began to realize what worked well with two campuses isn't working as well with three. We had to come to a system for, um, for multi-site and especially when it related 
to uh, to hiring and to managing staff. And um, there was some disagreement, obviously. Um, uh, as the, the lead pastor of that campus, I wanted to make the hiring and management decisions for my team. Uh, but I had really, really good friends on the central team who felt just as strongly about hiring and managing the people who were going to oversee the areas that, that they worked with. And um, a good friend of mine, Julie Arnold, and I, I mean, it was we've known each other for gosh, 35 years, really good friends. I mean, we we got into quite a, a battle over who was going to make this decision about a particular staff member at, at Brownsbridge. And ultimately, uh, she and I both were on the leadership team. We sat down as a team and we said, we've got to make this decision how we're going to decide who hires the campus staff and then who manages them. And ultimately, what we decided and we landed on was that that our boss might, you know, we felt like for somebody to want to work uh, in, in our organization, that their boss needed to be nearby and accessible, that that the person who was rating my performance, the person who was developing me, the person who I looked to for my direction was the, the person that I worked you know with closest to. And so we landed on giving the, the hiring and management of campus staff to the local lead pastor. So in our model, um, everyone who works on a campus, their direct report works on that campus with them. At the same time, they have a dotted line relationship to someone on the central team who helps them with the primary branding, with content. We'll talk about some of the other things central team does in just a minute. But ultimately, we wanted to make sure that each staff member had a close working relationship with the person they felt responsible to. The second area where we decided to give autonomy to the campus and local decision is what we would call local expression of the model. While the primary branding was a centralized function, the local expression of that model would take place at the campus. So this is seen in a lot of different ways. One of them just being the name of our churches. We decided to name our churches um, something that reflects the community they're in. So Buckhead Church is in a community called Buckhead. Browns Bridge Church is on Browns Bridge Road, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, there are great churches who have the name of their church in every uh, one of their campus names. But, and again, just sort of based on our culture, based on our personality, we wanted each of our campuses to feel like a local church. And so that's seen in the naming. Um, it's also seen in what ministries are available at every campus. Now, there are some things that we do at every campus. And then there are other ministries and other environments that pertain only to a particular campus. The, the easiest one to explain on that is we have college ministry at three of our campuses, primarily because those three campuses are our only campuses that are close to uh, a, a college of, of any size. So uh, to say, well, no, in our model, we have college ministry. So this church or this campus that is nowhere near a, a local college is going to have a struggling college ministry, you know, makes no sense. So we allow the lead pastor and his leadership team to evaluate the local area and to to suggest and to create an expression of our model that fits that area. 
This local autonomy also extends in some ways to the look and feel of our different environments. Uh, so, for instance, in our world, uh, we have some campuses that are in a more urban setting and we have campuses that are in more suburban or rural areas. And so when we create something um, like our upstreet area, which is what we call our children's area, and we theme it for, uh, you know, to look like a street in that area, uh, obviously an urban area and a, a rural area are going to look different. So we allow the look and feel to be determined by the local expression of the model. And then the third way that we make decisions is we really pursue collaboration when we feel like it's going to be the most effective. Um, one of our staff behaviors is to collaborate. We want to create um, not just a, an, a sense of, but a, an expectation of collaboration on both our campus teams and our central team, that uh, everything is to be remained open-handed and that we're to, to work with one another. And there's some things that we have found that are more effective when we collaborate. Uh, the best example of this in our world is content development. When we're trying to determine what the content is going to be for a particular environment or for you know a particular age group, we pull together representatives representatives from every campus and they inform that decision and they work on that. And so we tend to get, and what we see is we get the best of both worlds instead of just the best of one or the other. So content is one of those items where collaboration really pays off. Uh, second for that would be special events. When we want to do something for students, instead of each campus trying to sit down from A to Z and figure out what does this event need to look like for students, we gather those people together and say, hey, what would it take to create an amazing event for students? And now we're going to do it maybe on three three different places or, or, or maybe all, you know, all of our campuses. But instead of each of those people bearing the weight of creating and, and figuring that out. So we bring all of those team members together and we determine what would it take to do a great event for students. We collaborate on that and then we export it. So again, when you're trying to decide how are decisions going to be made in our, in our organization, the first step is to look at the culture of your organization, look at the personality of your key leaders, and, and, and don't, don't work against that, work with it. And then the second would be to not try to do a blanket decision across the organization. We're going to be completely centralized or we're going to be completely autonomous. We're going to look at the issue and we're going to let the issue decide where the decision gets made. One last thing on how to determine where decisions will be made in, in your organization. And this goes back to the first podcast that we talked about. The more work you do on clarifying your mission, your vision, and your model of really defining the wins, and you'll do that together, the fewer things you're going to have to decide, where do we make that decision? So again, the work and the time that it will go into really clarifying those things will save you many, many decisions down the road. So one of the biggest questions that I hear from leaders and that really one of the biggest questions that you need to answer moving on to multi-site is how you're going to handle the money. Who's going to pay for what and, and how, how does that impact your decision or the way you, you do multi-site? And I'll just say there are thousands of ways that multi-site will impact the finances of a church, but I just really on the podcast want to focus on 
one decision that um, ultimately you have to make as an organization. And that is, are you going to be a revenue neutral campus or a shared revenue campus? And what I mean by those terms are a revenue neutral campus means that the expense budget will equal the income budget. So for, you know, for every dollar that the campus brings in, they'll be able to spend a dollar um, on, on ministry and on expenses. A shared revenue campus says the organization will look at all of the money that comes into the organization as being part of the organization, but the expense budget will be based on the ministry model, not on the income that comes into that. So I want to talk about that a little bit. A revenue neutral campus, again, that's where the expense budget is set by the income to the campus. Um, that will drive some key decisions on that campus. So if a, if a site has to be revenue neutral, that is they have to break even at the end of the year, then more than likely the experience will not be comparable from campus to campus. Um, and I, I remember this really coming home to me when we first began Browns Bridge, because when we launched that, we had really never had this conversation. You know, what, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, how are we going to, to answer this? Because our first campus, Buckhead, uh, became revenue neutral very quickly. There was uh, good income to the area and the expense budget was low and it grew as the, as the campus did. Um, but when we launched Browns Bridge, we didn't sort of start small and grow big. We actually opened a fully functioning church. And uh, as a fully functioning church that offered, you know, A to Z, everything that that uh, North Point had offered uh, with a brand new to a certain degree uh, congregation, or at least most of which were a brand new congregation, the expense budget exceeded the income budget by by quite a bit. So as I sat there as the leader trying to figure out, wow, you know, how am I going to do everything I need to do on much less money? I began to ask the question, what's essential and what can I not do, basically? And uh, I remember looking at one particular uh, ministry environment that we had that while an amazing uh, ministry environment and a, and a great thing uh, that we do to this day, I, you know, I determined if I had to not do something, that's what I wouldn't do. And uh, I went to the leadership team and I just said, hey, the only way I can see breaking even next year and, and getting there quickly is to not do this particular area. We'll add it in one day, you know, uh, when we grow. And uh, as you would imagine, uh, people on the central team uh, who were responsible for that area, who love that area, who get up every morning thinking about that area, uh, they were immediately like, well, well, no, we've got to do, you know, we've got to do that. And I, my reply was, well, I don't know with what money, you know, I can't not do these other things. You know, we, we, we've, you know, we've got to, we've got to cut something. And uh, it was in that meeting that we looked at each other and it was sort of this, no, I think organizationally, it is more important for the people who leave North Point and go to to Brownsbridge to have that particular environment open to them than for us to break even. And so we decided at that moment or in that discussion to be what I would call a shared revenue campus. So for the first few years of Brownsbridge, uh, we ran at a deficit. And that's mostly what our, our model entails is that you know, we run at a deficit until the congregation en engages financially to the point that they can uh, carry the cost of the 
campus, but we don't let the campus's ability to pay determine what ministry environments uh, we're going to offer. And uh, some campuses get revenue neutral more quickly than others, but ultimately everyone will get there. Now this is true in, in doesn't matter if you're an incredibly centralized system or an autonomous system, there's going to be a period of time that it takes for a campus to become revenue neutral. It's just determining as an organization, which one of those tensions you're going to feel most, the financial tension or the expression of the environment tension. So as I said, uh, in our world, we have a shared revenue campus uh, model. And again, our expense budget is set by our ministry model, not by income. And uh, this again provides a more predictable and consistent experience for our attenders who oftentimes move from campus to campus depending on you know where they're living at the time or inviting a friend from a particular area they want to be able to show up in so there's a predictable experience for them but one of the third reasons i think there's an advantage to a shared revenue campus is that it provides artificial but strategic limits on programming and here and here's what i mean by that even if a campus loses money for a particular time because we've decided to offer ministry environments that they can't quite afford yet ultimately as that campus becomes revenue neutral and then revenue positive we've not created a system in which their income determines their expenses what that has allowed us to do is maintain control on expense budgets even though income has continued to increase and in sometimes vastly exceeded their expense budget. And that helps us to maintain and to develop key margin that we need to create financially so that we can respond to potential opportunities. Talked about that in the first podcast, but again, margin equals opportunity. And I think if you've been in ministry for very long, you'll see a church or you'll see a ministry all of a sudden doing something. You're thinking, why in the world are they doing that? That just seems like an extravagance or that seems like, wow, that that honestly, it seems like a waste of money sometimes. And I think oftentimes the answer to that is, well, we didn't know what else to do with the money. You know, we had to spend it on something. So if a church staff looks at their income and their only limit to their expenses is their income, then there may come a time when they unwisely spend income as opposed to letting the model drive that expense. As we wrap up today's podcast, I just want to say this as you explore this whole idea of who's going to make what decision and how are we going to handle the money. And that's this. There is no cookie cutter out of the box answer for these very, very difficult questions. It really is going to require your leadership team and the key leaders involved in this process getting around a table, uh, again, looking each other in the eye and saying, how would we answer this? And where on this spectrum would we fall? And in what areas are you going to make the call and am I gonna make the call? And in many ways, this is gonna be a relational discussion because ultimately what gets impacted and what's at risk are the relationships amongst the leaders. So these are some ideas and some principles that maybe can guide a conversation, but I would encourage you, especially if you're the point leader, not to sit in a room, make a decision and bring it back and hand it out, but sit down and talk about these things. Talk about where these decisions are going to be made and get ownership at the highest levels of the organization, because then you'll be able to leverage the depth of those relationships as you implement them. Mm-hmm.
Hey, before you go, if you're a partner in the North Point Network, be sure to check out the conversation to go with today's podcast, and you can find that at northpointpartners.org. If you're not a partner but would love more information, click on the Explore Partnership link in the show notes to learn how the North Point Partner Network could help your church go further, faster.